Welcome to the Zero Fucks Podcast, the raw and unfiltered account of the journey to create your diet culture-free dream life and start living the authentic and unapologetic life you deserve from two girls who actually did it. Each week, Don Michaela, the founder of the Mindful Eating Revolution, and Lonnie Mitchell, founder of the Weightless Warrior Academy, are bringing you guests, thoughts, and hot topics to help you bust through the limiting beliefs that have been holding you back and shed the emotional weight that has been holding you down. We're pulling back the curtain on how to reconnect yourself, body, mind, heart, and soul, take your power back, and free yourself from fear and self-judgment. Get ready to unapologetically follow your bliss every single day, giving zero fucks about what other people think. Are you with us? Here we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Zero Fucks Podcast. We're so excited today to have another guest with us. Um, we have Ali Trevino Murphy here with us, and she's got such an incredible story. Um, she's done some amazing things in her life around like self-defense and martial arts that she's going to share with you guys. But one of like the bigger overcompassing things that she does and that we're here to talk about um, is like helping women feel safe in their bodies, creating boundaries, um, you know, learning how to defend themselves, um, not just physically, but, you know, emotionally too, because as we talk about in this podcast so much of so much of this pain and things that women are struggling with a huge part of their healing is to learn to set boundaries and to have that self-respect and to know that they're, worthy and deserving of that kind of protection from themselves and from others. And so I'm really excited to dive into this conversation, Allie. Um, so just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get into this work? Sure. So, um, my background is I grew up in a martial arts family. My parents owned a martial arts school before I was born. And, um, when I was about three, they separated. My mom continued to run the business for my entire life. And, uh, and then we later turned it into a cooperative. So we all own it together. But um, it was definitely a unique upbringing in that I had a black belt for a mother. And you know, she tells me stories about when she first started in the 80s uh, and people would come into the business and see her dressed in her uniform with a black belt. They would ask her, if she was a model or an actress and she said no why would you ask me that and they said well because you're wearing a black belt and at that time it was just so unusual to see a woman with that achievement that um, they couldn't even put it together so she really uh, faced a lot of barriers and kind of paving the way for my generation um, in the martial arts and then um, later on when I started teaching um, in high school and, and college I really started to specialize in teaching women self-defense. And that was something that um, just came from partially my own experiences and my friends' experiences that it became really important to me. Um, and also I later uh, went on to get my master's degree in social work. So I have kind of a mental health background as well. And all those pieces just have kind of come together to um, whatever I'm doing in my career, there's always some element of violence prevention as part of what I'm doing. That's so cool. <laughs> like that's, that's absolutely amazing. And I love, I mean, first off, like massive kudos to your mom for just being like, you know, one of those like warrior women that's just like breaking, breaking cycles and breaking boundaries and stereotypes. Like that's absolutely amazing. So my first question of just hearing you talk of like, that's so interesting to me of like the, 
blending of a martial arts practice with like social work and mental health. Um, and, and that combination, like that's not something I've ever really heard of. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that of like, how have you blended that and what kind of work are you doing with combining those two things? Yeah, well, it's interesting because, um, when I started out uh, teaching in uh, martial arts in college, um, I, or after I finished college, I should say, I was thinking about like, you know, what am I going to do next in my life? And at first I was, I was running the martial arts business full time and teaching full time. And that was a really great experience, but I kind of was missing like a social justice element. And, um, that's why I decided to pursue social work as I, I wanted to, um, help make social change. And then, um, after getting my degree and getting back into the field, I worked in restorative justice, which is, um, about peacemaking and, addressing harm uh, without punishment. So actually trying to address the, um, the, the needs that arise from the harm and bring healing to the situation. And through that work, I sort of realized that what I had been doing all along with self-defense is social change work. Um, because when we teach self-defense, you know, it's interesting, there's, there's different models out there. And I like to think of it as a spectrum from like a very male dominated um, martial arts school side on one end and then like a feminist collective on the other end you know and so like the martial arts tools typically it is men teaching and they tend to teach like a set of moves and not really know anything about women's experiences or violence against women and so it can actually be really damaging some of the things that they teach um and on the other end of the spectrum you know the feminist collectives are actually great in terms of um understanding violence against women and teaching women how to understand the dynamics and and define their boundaries and those sorts of things but they miss some of the physical parts like they're usually teaching like 10 moves that was passed down from a black belt in 1970 you know um and they might be really good moves (laughs) but without having that expertise it's lacking so what i tried to do is bring those things together um in the course that we offer and um that model is called empowerment self-defense so that's where you're teaching women a combination of um you know, social skills, de-escalation strategies, those sorts of things, but also physically fighting. And when women go through the course, there's there's just so much power in both pieces because when they're actually physically fighting and we use trained male practice attackers at our school, um, there's not, you can, you can talk about it all day, but until you're actually doing it and realizing that you can, you know, keep yourself safe physically against a bigger, stronger man, um, it's just transformative. You know, women tell us all the time it's life-changing, you know, it, it just completely changes the way they walk through the world. So it's very, very rewarding work. That's amazing. Um, I, I've got another question, Lonnie. Do you have a Do you have a question? Do you want to jump? Go in for it. On? Yeah, I have a couple, but go for it. Okay. So something you just said. I mean, one of the things that like Lonnie and I talk about a lot on here and with our clients is like, you know, this the the mindset piece mm-hmm. and something you just said about, you know having women realize that like they can defend themselves against someone who's bigger and stronger. And one of the things that, you know, I think so many women, like not just in food and body, just a general, uh, one of the mindsets that we're breaking right now, like as women is this whole mindset that like women are weak or sometimes we, we, we can't, or that, you know, we, we should be powered over. And so I kind of wanted to ask you about like, what, what changes you're seeing in women's mindsets? How are you helping facilitate that of like helping them see like, 
you're stronger than you think you're more powerful than you ever let yourself believe you can stand up for yourself. You can defend yourself. Um, like how are you seeing like that change women and how are you facilitating like that mindset shift? Cause that's, a, that's a really, really powerful thing. Sure. Well, our course, you know, is, um, many hours long, but there is research out there that shows that even a one hour self-defense course is enough to make women more likely to defend themselves successfully and actually less likely to be attacked in the first place. And it really, I think it comes back to that mindset shift is that there's not so much that you can really learn in an hour, but what women experience in that hour is they think through, okay, what if somebody attacked me, what could I do? And they answer that question sometimes for the first time, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, typically when women come in, you know, I've often started the class with asking like why they're there or what they're, you know, what they're concerned about. And they answer things like walking alone at night or traveling or walking to their car. And in all of those um, responses, what you hear is an environment, you know, like the when and the where, but you don't hear about any of the actors in the situation. You don't hear and then a man comes up and grabs me or, you know, uh, tries to pull me into his car or whatever it may be, you know? Um, and I think that it's kind of like being scared of the dark, you know, and then you turn on the lights and you see that, okay, that was just a pile of laundry. I don't want to dismiss the danger because it's, it's a real danger, but, you know, there's this idea that attackers are like supernatural and they have something going for them that we don't have. And that's just not true, you know? Yes, men as a group tend to be bigger and stronger than women as a group, but not even always. You know, I've had lots of women say, you know, I looking back, I realized my attacker was smaller than me and I could have just pushed him off, but I never thought, I had never thought about it. It never occurred to me that I could, you know. Um, I think the other thing that women learn in a class like this is the psychology of the attacker is that they're not looking for a fight. So we know that when women, resist either by running away, screaming, or fighting, they are effective 87% of the time in preventing an attempted sexual assault. And that's an extremely high success rate. It's almost 90%, you know? Um, And why is that, you know, is it that women are just so beastly, you know? I mean, I think women are beastly, but (laughs) but really, I think it comes down to the mentality of the attacker is that the attacker is looking for to commit a crime of power and control they want to feel powerful they don't want to be embarrassed they don't want to get caught they don't want to feel weak right and so when somebody resists when you make yourself the hard case um they're they're most likely to go find somebody else who's not going to resist so really just teaching women you can resist just make that choice like that's most of it I love that because my dad he actually had me take um I forgot if it was Chinese or Japanese Kempo when I was younger. And that was one of the things we'd always do together um, every Saturday or Sunday. And it does, it changes your mindset and makes you more empowered. And even though I didn't do it like too consistently, um, it, I still remember some of the moves from it. And when I was traveling, um, there was this guy, which I, I wouldn't say he was attacking me by any means, but we were outside of this, outside of this club. And I was like, eh, something does not feel right about this guy. And my friend was calling me like, hey, you good? I'm like, yeah, this guy's kind of weird. I'm going to get back into the club and, you know, I'll be there in a minute. And he grabbed my wrist very forcefully to like pull him back and be like, no, let's go somewhere kind of thing. 
And just even knowing how to quickly pull my wrist back and how to twist it to get rid of that grip, it like it allowed me to have more of a sense of, of security. And like you said, with walking to your car at night, when I was in my master's program, it's in a town that, or in a part of town, that's not really that safe. And it's known to have, you know, gunshots every so often, like my friend who lived a few blocks away said he'd hear gunshots every night. And so I would always walk with my keys in between my, my knuckles, just ready to do something and always like kind of looking around. And I'm curious actually what your thoughts are on this. And well, maybe this isn't a good thing to get into for like legality reasons, but there's some people or studies who say you shouldn't be on your phone because it looks like you're distracted. But for me, like I go into taken mode where I'm like, if I'm on the phone, I can yell out what's happening, what they look like. I'm looking around so they know I'm not distracted. So like, I just, even in watching those action movies, like you said, you ask yourself, well, what if this happened? How would I respond? And so my dad's kind of brought me up in that way where I do do that. And I watch a lot of the action movies and I pay attention to those, those fight scenes to, to know, okay, this is what I should do in this situation. But like you said, actually going in and, you know, fighting with those, those males that come in, like the actors and stuff, it helps you to really put it into practice. Cause you can talk and think about it all day long, but it's so different compared to when it actually happens. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's a few questions in there, but uh, let me start. Uh, sorry, asking. I just rambled. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. There's so much that I want to respond to in what you just said, because they're all, everything you just said are things that I hear a lot, you know, mm-hmm. um, and let me start with action movies, because that's the freshest in my mind. It, there's something really unrealistic about action movies, which is mm-hmm. that the attackers keep coming <laughs> in action movies. They keep coming. If anyone's seen the movie Red Eye, it's... Um, it's crazy. That movie is like Rachel McAdams is defending against this guy the entire movie. And what I love about it is that it's really hardcore self-defense. I mean, she sticks a pen in his throat. Like she does some great stuff. Um, but the, the idea that someone would keep coming and keep coming after you stick a pen in their throat and break a stiletto off in their leg and hit them with a car, you know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not realistic, you know, in real life, like I said, resistance works, you know, people don't keep coming. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, the cell phone. So the issue with cell phones, and one of the things that I think has become really trendy right now is, um, is apps too, that there's like a lot of apps um, that are designed to improve safety. And I just wanna, so my philosophy is that I don't like what I call freedom limiting safety tips, you know, which is like, just don't go out alone at night, just never be anywhere alone, just whatever. Um, so I would never tell someone don't be on your cell phone if you want to be on your cell phone, because I think that's a freedom limiting safety tip. So if you want to be on your cell phone for whatever reason, if it makes you feel good, you know, I think that's fine. I do think it's a very limited, um, strategy in terms of actually keeping yourself safe because it does, as you mentioned, communicate that you're distracted. And the idea that you're going to get help for your cell phone, whether it's through actually talking to someone or whether it's through using an app is um, limited in that it gets you help after the fact, maybe, you know what I mean? And after some time has passed, right? So um, it doesn't really address the immediate danger that you're facing in the moment. Um, And when your hands are, when you've got things in your hands, unless you're gonna use them as a weapon, it limits you physically to respond, you know, to a threat. 
Um, that being said, you know, I'll give an example of a story of somebody that I know. Um, she was attacked at gunpoint. She was carrying groceries. And uh, her, her instinctive response was she took one of the grocery bags and she just smacked the gun out of the guy's hand with her grocery bag. And then, um, and then she actually grabbed his face and rubbed it in some hedges that were next to her and yelled, how dare you attack me? Okay, so. Um, oh my gosh. It's a really incredible story. She, she was actually attacked several times by strangers. I don't know why, because she looked very tough. I wouldn't mess with her, but, um, but you know, I like that story too, because people think like, oh my God, like a gun, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. And all she did was swing a grocery bag at it. Again, not to dismiss, the danger of a gun because yeah. they are dangerous. Um, but just to note that, you know, training or no training, we, we're just like any other animal on the planet. We're designed to survive. We have an instinct that if we allow ourselves to respond to it is very effective at telling us how to keep ourselves safe. I love that. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like really picturing that. I'm like, how dare you attack me? And just the way you said it just kind of sounded a little comical. Um, so I know we talked about boundaries as well and how, you know, in, in doing this training too, and taking these classes with you, women really start to get more assertive about their boundaries. Can you speak more on that? Sure. So First of all, I would consider boundaries to just be what we what we will and what we will not accept, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about physical boundaries, um, that might include different forms of touch or even how close somebody is standing to us. Um, but other types of boundaries, it's like, what is it okay for somebody to say to us and what is not okay for them to say to us? Or in, in professional settings, you know, what salary will I accept, <laughs> you know, to do this work, um, that sort of thing. And I have had women, by the way, come back after taking this class and saying, this gave me the confidence to negotiate a higher salary, you know? So it's That's all amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's what we will accept and what we won't accept. And I think women struggle both with defining that for themselves, you know, and then also defending it once they have defined it. So the first step in defining it is, you know, it, it our boundaries are sort of an extension of our self-worth, you know, because you have to believe that you're deserving of, um, of that safety, of that protection, you know, um, you, you have to claim things, you know, in order to set a boundary. Um, and I think that women are socialized to put other people first and to be, be nice and all that stuff. And um, Brene Brown actually does a lot of great work on this where she talks about how in order to, um, to really be able to give generously and with integrity, we have to have those boundaries in place um, because otherwise it's not sustainable. And also we start to build up resentments and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, so that part, you know, I think is, is everybody's own journey. You have to like do your self-reflection or whatever, whatever strategies work for you to figure that out. Um, but a big part of it is just noticing in your body, I think, what feelings come up, you know what I mean? When you're doing something, if the boundaries are right, you feel safe, you feel calm, you know, you feel confident. If the boundaries are off, hey. you don't feel right, you know? Um, and then defending the boundaries, you know, it's just, it's a lot of times it's just about assertive communication, which is saying um, yes to what you do want and saying no to what you don't want. And saying no tends to be really hard for most women. And you find that in going through your classes, 
they find more confidence to be able to say no? I think there's something about the physical practice that helps, you know, when you're, because the physical aspect, um, when you're practicing like striking and yelling, um, you're practicing saying no to some a physical encroachment on your boundary. And there's just something cathartic and transformative about that. Um, That's a great also, point. Mm-hmm. So I just like, I just put that two and two together of like doing it physically helps you to do it mentally and emotionally. That's such a great point. Yeah. And also, you know, physically saying things that you've never said out loud before, you know, I actually coach women to go stand in your bathroom mirror and, you know, like if you've had an experience where you walk away from it and you're like, Ooh, I didn't stand up for myself. I feel bad. Like I feel sick to my stomach. And then you start cursing like in your mind, what you you wish you would have been able to say, you know, I think in those moments, if you go, and I've, I've personally done this, um, is stand in your bathroom where where the acoustics reflect back to you, you know, and you look in the mirror and you say what you wanted to say, you rehearse out loud that conversation as many times as you need to, until it feels confident and authentic, you know, because a lot of times women tell me, well, I just don't know what to say, (laughs) you know? And, um, and you do actually know, you just haven't probably said it before. I think in most cases, it's just a question of, of getting that practice and, and having it ready the next time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't know how to technically cook spaghetti when you're first growing up, right? But you could figure it out. It's just you have to actually do the thing. And I think that's so important. I've, I've definitely been there where I was like someone smacked my ass and um like they were drunk and we were all part of this group and stuff and I just stood there shocked at first because I'm like this person knows I have already said I've established that boundary of no I don't want to mess with you and uh for them to do that and then I just stood there shocked and I'm like that's not what we go through in our mind we're like badass and we say you know screw you and like in my mind if that had happened I would have decked him but instead no I just stood there and froze and I'm like well this is not good and so I was actually really embarrassed like about myself that I didn't respond quote unquote better Um, and it kind of gave me I'm glad it happened because it gave me more sympathy to the women who maybe it would have affected a lot more because to me it just stunned me and I'm like oh you POS right um but a lot of women and I said it to like one of the group leaders and stuff I'm like that could have left another girl crying in the bathroom for three hours me I'm just gonna go to him and I'm gonna like rail him out of it um but to your point it's like it's that difference of envisioning in in your mind versus it actually happening and then you know, actually getting those words out and practicing those words so you don't freeze in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing is sometimes we don't, like you said, sometimes we don't respond the way that we wanted to. Yeah. And I don't want for women to ever take self-defense or hear a conversation like this and then feel bad about what they didn't do in the past. You know what I mean? Because I've been there, you know, we all sometimes don't respond at all or don't respond as well as you know as assertively I guess or as powerfully as we want to and that's not a failing on our part you know what I mean we didn't ask for what happened to us it wasn't our fault (laughs) you know what I mean and um and so we, we shouldn't really have to do this work of preparing to respond to 
endless, um, you know, encroachment on our boundaries, but because we live in a very sexist society and men have also been conditioned to, to not respect those boundaries as a group, you know, we do deal with those things. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, and also sometimes not responding or responding um, less, uh, I don't know, sometimes not responding can be a survival strategy, but I will say most of the time, um, being assertive is, is more effective than sort of uh, allowing things to happen. Um, but yeah, in your, in your example, it wasn't dangerous to your life. You know what I mean? Like, so it's a, it's a different kind of situation. And you can always respond after the fact. You can always go up to somebody and say, you know what, 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago, you did this thing and I didn't say anything. And I need you to know that I didn't say anything because I was shocked, not because it was okay, you know? And, um, and you need to know that it wasn't okay and you shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. never too late to, to say what you need to say. Yeah, I love, I love that point. And I think that's, you know, and I know I just kind of want to tie it in for, you know, so many of the women who listen to this and who are our clients of, you know, exactly. We, t we talk about like so many women struggle with things like emotional eating because it's like, they're not saying the things they want to say. You're not acknowledging their feelings. They're stuffing it down and burying it and burying it. And one of the things both of us coach on so much is like acknowledging the feelings and like not feeling so much shame around saying, Hey, like that wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. This is a boundary. I no longer accept this. And like, for you're, you're so right of like, for so many women, it's like, we've been conditioned to be like afraid of being assertive and owning, owning our boundaries that it feels so much safer, so much easier to just give in and to submit. Um, and so that's a huge part of healing. I think on so many levels of not just physical boundaries, but emotional healing, mental healing of like learning that it's okay to set boundaries and to defend them. And like, that that is okay. And you are 100% have the right to do that. And I love what you're saying about practicing it in the mirror. Like, oh my God, that is so powerful. I know I have my clients work with that all the time. Like if you want to change the relationship with the reflection you see in the mirror, stand in the mirror and start talking to that reflection differently. Like start practicing a different conversation, you know, in the mirror. And so I love, you know, that, that you do that too, of like taking it, not just taking it out of the classroom and into like, if you want to feel this strength on a whim, stand there and practice it to where it feels so confident and so easy um, and work through all of that in the mirror. So you don't have to work through that in the moment when it's actually time to stand up and say that stuff. That's so powerful. So powerful. I just had to say that. I think what you're doing is so, so incredible on so many levels. Thanks. Yeah. And I also wanted to add to, to Lonnie's point about, you know, when you don't know how to make spaghetti, um, <laughs> that I think that's really important too, because um, I think women sometimes feel like, oh, if it's hard or if I don't do it perfectly, or if my face is red and I'm, sh or my voice is shaking, then, then I did it wrong, or I'm not good at this, or I'm not the type of person who does this or who can do this. And that's just not the case. It really is a skill set like anything else in life. I mean, you know, I have a baby and a toddler at home and when they start to crawl, we're not like, wow, really shitty crawling kid. You know, we're like, wow, you did it. You know, like, yes, can I crawl better than my baby? Yes, I can, because I've had a whole lifetime of experience crawling, <laughs> you know, but um, you, you have to, you have to treat 
yourself you know you have to take care of your inner child and like like think of yourself as learning something maybe for the first time or unlearning things and um and yes like the first time you stand up for yourself in a certain context that you haven't done before you you may have a shaky voice you may have tears in your eyes you may sound small you know um and then you do it anyway and the next time it gets easier and the next time it gets easier until you can't remember that feeling anymore you know but it only comes there's no way to that point other than through the discomfort of of feeling and it's okay to feel afraid or embarrassed or you know all those bad feelings like you said um they're not bad feelings they're just uh they're just feelings right there's no good or bad feelings i absolutely Love that. And who decided that just when we get to a quote unquote adult age, that we should know how to do everything like perfectly? That's some bullshit. It's like we think, oh, we should be able to do this and have no problem with it, even if we've never done it before. Like, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, Ali, thank you so, so, so much for being here. You're doing such amazing work. Can you please tell us where people can find you and your courses? Sure. Um, you can find us at undergroundselfdefense.org. And we have uh, a four-week online self-defense course that we're offering right now. So it, it's a combination of some videos and readings that you do on your own time and then some live Zoom classes. So if you go to undergroundselfdefense.org, you'll find um, how to register and um, hope to see you there. Awesome. Thank you again so much. And until next time, everyone, Don. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm still like, so like struck by your conversation. Um, so, so <laughs> amazing. I'm, just, I'm just like, Oh my God, that was so, that was so good. But anyway, to wrap up you guys, as always, like save your fucks for that magical shit. Love you guys so much. Thank you so much for spending this time with us on the zero fucks podcast. We had an absolute blast and we hope you did too. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone in your life who you feel needs to hear it, that would be amazing and we would be forever grateful to you. Also, please leave us a review if you feel moved to do so. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a message and tell us what you think, share your story, and what topics you would like to hear us bring to the table. It would really help us on our mission to help you. We'll see you guys next episode, and until then, remember, go out there, live boldly, unapologetically, and save your fucks for magical shit.